This is Dan Fagelli, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, a lot of our work is in banking and in insurance. This week's episode is focused squarely on insurance. And there's a lot to keep track of in this space, from claims to underwriting to back-end process automation to customer service. Every six months, the landscape of AI vendors and known use cases in the enterprise companies is changing and altering, and part of our work involves staying on top of that. That means speaking to heads of AI and innovation leaders at companies you might know, like GEICO or Allstate or AXA, some of the biggest insurance players in the world as well as staying on top of the startup ecosystem. This week, we speak with one of the players in that startup ecosystem. Gary Hagmuller is the CEO and president at Clara Analytics. Clara Analytics is based in the Bay Area, and they are focused squarely on insurance artificial intelligence applications. Uh, Gary previously was the chief operating officer at Ayazdi, one of the rare companies in Silicon Valley to raise $100 million plus for an artificial intelligence company. And he was, before that, the CFO at Zora, which is an incredibly successful subscription management payments firm out again in the Bay Area. So Gary's got a pretty storied past in the startup world. Clara's raised about $12 million, and they're certainly on the way up. Insurance is rife for disruption, and there's plenty to cover. So Gary gives us his perspective on where AI is making its way into insurance and where he thinks it's going to make the biggest impact in the relative near term. Without further ado, we're going to hop right in. This is Gary Hagmuller with Clara Analytics here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Gary, I wanted to start us off with just your sort of idea today as to where AI is making a difference in insurance, what what functions it's being adopted into, where the traction is today if we just look at AI in the insurance uh, enterprise. Great question, Dan. Yeah, so so there's definitely a whole bunch of different places where we're starting to see AI proliferate. I will say um, it's probably very early days, really, for adoption. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, so we're, you know, obviously we are very focused on the claims operation space. Um, and so we're seeing a variety of different places where this is getting applied. It's getting applied, at least where we're, we're seeing it, generally in, in kind of two flavors, things that can kind of be automated away, you know, so think simple tasks that, you know, today you've got a human doing that maybe doesn't need to be done. And then the second place where we're seeing it generally is is occurring in places where there are very complex and weak signals that have a, a pretty large bearing on the outcome of whatever the person is working on or whatever the group is working on. And AI is really being kind of used as an augmentation of like human capability of it. So think about uh, the ability to kind of see around the corner and figure out where you know, things that, that could affect what they're working on positively or negatively are uh, and giving them action, you know. And so like, you know, as, as you said, our, our, our focus is on claims ops, but, yep. you know, we have, you know, like a guy on my board um, works in, in underwriting and, you know, we've seen a bunch of different places where this is starting to apply, even in kind of the actuarial space. But it's been, uh, you know, it really feels like there's a, there's a groundswell of interest and activity coming. Yeah, and I like your, your sort of, breakout here when you when you look at AI impact and insurance, and maybe we could do this with any sector, but you're talking about two categories. One is what can be automated away. I like the term. A lot of vendors are afraid to use that uh, phrase even because it, it comes across as, you know, immoral. Oh, you're one of those automation people stealing jobs. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I hear a lot of vendors um, 
being far too tender with being able to say that phrase. Uh, second, informing decisions. So it, it's, it sounds like you're sort of breaking things up into the two. If we just look at insurance, what might be an example of each just to give people a nice representative lens into yeah. this space? Some automatable stuff and then some, some uh, decision informing. So, so I'm going to give you some thoughts on both of those, but I do want to touch on the point on the automation and automation away. I feel like that's a topic that comes up a lot in this whole AI discussion, and I don't think it's as sinister as what you've portrayed it as. I think it's really a situation where there's a lot of tasks that are being done today that I guarantee you the people doing those tasks don't want to do, and it's part of their regular job. And so if you free them from doing tasks that they don't want to do and focus them in on the things that they would rather be doing that they are probably better at doing, right, that actually winds up making everybody better off. And so to give you kind of an example, right, there's a lot of places where you have things flow through uh, processing, right, where you can get a claim, you can analyze, the machine can analyze the claim, the machine can make a determination that like, this is a routine claim, let's just go ahead and, you know, issue payment or issue settlement or whatever, Uh, on this particular thing. And so that's maybe an example of things that that kind of flow through the machine can take care of um, and and basically close out without necessarily having to kick it up to somebody who is just going to then, you know, look at it, roll their eyes. It's just another one of these ones again, you know, do a couple things, close it out and move on. Right. So that's kind of an example of the automation flow. Uh, The other side of it. So think of it as kind of decision support or or kind of enhancement, human enhancement is what I would basically think about it. Now, that's where, you know, and this is, this by the way, is common across all areas of machine learning where what you're doing is if you're tapping into an appropriately large amount of data, you're going to begin to pick up weak signals, right? And, and things that are actually deterministic that most humans aren't going to be able to go off and do, right? And, and that's for two reasons. Number one, you know, they may have been doing this job for 10, 15, whatever years, and they have a certain way of doing the job, and they're just never going to look at those other sources of data, right? The secondary part is that some of those sources flow in from places that people generally don't even look at. So if you've figured out how to tap into all these different data sources, you can then get a much more complete picture. Like in, in the case of the sorts of things that we do, we can give you a much more complete sense of what's going on with an individual claim and give you evidence on that, like exactly how to attack this problem right now to mitigate you know, any further loss or you know, wind up doing something that's going to wind up making the claimant happier, settle faster, and that sort of thing. And maybe there's an interesting sort of exercise that we could do. So uh, I guess one quick thing, I, I, I certainly wouldn't call automation sinister per se. I think there are going to be some cases where someone gets freed up to do something more cognitively interesting, and it's a thank goodness kind of experience. Right. I think there will be other times where, you know, a batch of folks in India, we ain't going to need them, you know, filing TPS reports anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? They'll find somebody else to work with. Point blank period. There's going to be that. Yeah. And I think everybody needs to be pretty honest about it. But there will be plenty of, of experiences yeah. where we'll be able to, you know, move people up and, and work on more interesting things. When you look in a business, and obviously insurance is your space, and you aim to sort of help maybe business leaders think through where AI can find a fit, how do you look at a business and say, oh, here's some identifiables for our potentially automative bucket, uh, and then here's some ones that we can also identify for the decision bucket. How do we put on a pair of goggles to to see those opportunities in insurance? What might be helpful? Yeah. So, you know, taking the first case over there, I think that's one where you can basically look at kind of repetition of activity and also look at kind of a lack of variability, right? So if there's just generally a set of things that that typically happens and falls into certain sets of buckets and the deviation is relatively low, right? Or the variance is is, is typically low. Those are things are, those are very indicative of low hanging fruit sorts of opportunities to go off and, uh, and apply the machine and kind of get some efficiencies out of that. 
And, you know, the way to also think about that is like, you know, the, the potential outcomes, if you didn't, right, uh, are they, you know, significant or are they generally all in some tight range? And if that's the case, then usually you can move pretty quickly towards, you know, an automated sort of setting. In terms of the setting where you want to have the human enhancement aspect of it, it's almost kind of the flip side, right? The flip side there is like, if you have a wide range of variability, in things. And then also one other key place to think about it is if you have surprises that happen a lot, like let's say like everything is going hunky-dory in a claim and then suddenly, you know, meet the lawyer, right? You know, that's going to be a situation where, you know, you probably want to have a better sense of what's going on um, at a greater degree of granularity so that you can get ahead of those things and make sure that you're understanding, well, why is that lawyer getting attached to this claim and, and that sort of stuff? Cool. So I, I'm, I'm going to try to nutshell a couple things and see if you have anything to add to it, because we've got a lot to pick up on here and, and hopefully really actionable sort of ways of looking at things for the listeners. One of which is, you know, are your set of outcomes within a pretty well-bounded reality, you know, in, right. in a repetitive world, in which case, okay, maybe we can take a look at those chunks of a process and think about being able to automate them and freeing people up to, to do other stuff. A second one, that you mentioned around the decision side, and I've actually never heard anybody articulate it this way, and maybe this could be useful, is uh, where do we see surprises uh, where, where maybe we wouldn't? You know, what do we want to see around corners with better? What do we want to reduce uncertainty around more? And is there a way right. where you can, we can use AI there? Uh, do those tend to be sort of the decision improvement areas from, from your perspective? Yeah, so ju- exactly that, right? So basically, anytime you're seeing surprises, there's, there's unseen sets of circumstances that you could probably get ahead of, right? And at least you wouldn't wind up being surprised. And more importantly, you might be able to avert the the surprise entirely if you had a more complete sense of what was going on with that particular process or claim or whatever it winds up being. Got it. I, well, I like those two questions. So sort of like going in, looking at a process, looking at a set of processes, and sort of you know, asking a particular question and saying, okay, what portions of a process sort of call forth that could be low-hanging fruit for AI? I know that the second thing I wanted to go into, and we'll be able to wrap up on this, and I know you're going to have some thoughts, is around where AI is headed into the future uh, of insurance. This is a sector that, you know, as you'd mentioned, it's early days. It's early days for banking as well. Um, You know, all these big sectors are sort of starting to lumber forward with AI. When you look forward half a decade and you ask yourself, what are the business functions within insurance. And obviously claims is mostly where you focus. So you might speak mostly there, but you might have other ideas. Think about the business functions where a lot of disruption is is likely to occur. What is that kind of future zeitgeist that we're headed towards, in your opinion, in insurance? Yeah, well, look, I think the way that this works for almost everybody who's who's embarking on this AI journey, be it an insurance company or bank or whatever else, is it's kind of this journey into becoming a data-driven enterprise. So think about it this way, right? So today, A lot of the work and activity that goes on um, within the insurance sector, and frankly, most other sectors, is still rooted in, you know, kind of these, what I would describe as legacy data systems. And they'll have these these processes that have basically been built up over time, right? Now, what is very likely to happen is you're going to get a migration in the form of, you know, people who spend all their day in some of these, you know, record-keeping systems and alert systems, are going to migrate into a world where the systems will come to them and the intelligence will come to them through some, call it an intelligence layer that sits on top of all of these systems. And how that'll work is that instead of, you know, logging into a screen and typing things in and hitting enter and then, you know, periodically getting alerts and other things like that, that that maybe are low information value, right? That Like something just happened. What instead will wind up happening is 
you'll be on whatever device or whatever interface you wind up being, really actionable, future-oriented sorts of alerts are going to come to you. So think predictive sorts of things that say, hey, this thing that is happening in your, your work stream is going to become a problem and you should look at it. And here's the five reasons, you know, why it's the problem. And then more importantly, here are the five actions that, you know, the 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 company's resources can allow you to go and take a take advantage of, right? And so what you're doing then is you're being very proactive. When you're being proactive, what's going to wind up happening is number one, the service level is going to go up, right? And the and and the end user, the claimant or the company that you're dealing with or what have you, is going to begin to know that, right? And so firstly, the companies that are going to, you know, the carriers that are going to adopt these sorts of technologies are going to start seeing this migration towards better customer and better claimant care uh, and service. And that's going to translate into lots of goodness, right? And in, in the form of like better sales, you know, total losses, right? Because you're getting ahead of things and all of that sort of stuff. So firstly, that's going to be something that is that is really going to transform. And then I think secondly, I think, and it touches back on the point that, that we talked about earlier, and that is that as you get into kind of a, a, a more mature state of AI adoption, the monotony of what might have gone on in your job. I mean, everybody, like I even have stuff every day that I oh, log plenty. into. Yeah, yeah. Oh, why do I have to do this again, right? I think if we do this well, most of the ugh goes away, right? Um, and we get kind of channeled into the things that probably drew us into whatever profession we wound up doing anyway, right? So let's say if we're an insur- in an insurance uh, and we're an adjuster and we're working in workers' comp or something like that, what we what we came to do is kind of take care of people. And so this is going to give us better skills and capabilities of taking care of people and, and getting them you know, to a better place quicker, right? And so I see that sort of thing happening across a lot of different jobs that are out there. And basically think about it as a, as a way of making everybody a little bit more effective at what they're doing versus people who are just, you know, doing a big chunk of their day in stuff that they probably would rather not do. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a bit of a counter tension here where some folks are admittedly, you know, maybe they, they have set in their ways and sort of sort of dig it. You know what I mean? They kind of come in and there's big chunks of their day where their brain is off. And if you make them, you know, fully tune into hyper cognitive, you know, elements of, of that work all day, you know, that may or may not be a fit for every employee who, who's a fit for the current job. However, I think that um, you bring up an interesting dynamic, and it may be the case, as you're articulating to some degree, that a lot of the ugh in many jobs will go away, and maybe that'll even become a job expectation. You know, someone comes from insurance company A, and they say, hey, I want to work in underwriting an insurance company B, but- and one of the th- criteria they have is, hey, you know, do you make me do this crazy stuff or do you automate things like my previous employer? Because if not, I don't want to get stuck in the ugh again. You know, maybe that'll yeah. be a, a needle mover in terms of sort of where yeah. talent goes. So that, that's interesting to think through sort of how that dynamic will play out. I, I wanted to shake out one last example sure. of the first thing that you mentioned, Gary, just to close out and, and make sure that people can digest this point. You talked about sort of a future vision where the insights we need for our workflows will be presented as we're working. You kind of painted something that was reasonably compelling there. I wonder if we could take some part of the insurance process that that isn't possible now, right? At a level of informing a decision or interjecting into a a, a process that that really isn't the case now, but that you think will be the case in insurance. What's an example of this paradigm we're moving into to, to try to make this tangible? Yeah. So, I mean, look, the experience I can draw on, and I don't want to make it a commercial for what what we wind up doing, but the experience that I can draw on is is basically like just kind of looking at the claims, kind of the life cycle of the claim 
that goes on today, right? And and basically looking at kind of very tightly narrowed cohorts of act uh, of of activity, right? So certain type of claims from certain phenomena, whatever, you know, they'll have this life cycle that basically, you know, expect certain things to happen in a certain time frame along the life of the claim before the thing is wound up being closed, right? And so the example that I would give and what we wind up doing is like we sit in the flow of activity, we monitor how the activity balances against the uh, the progression of the claim, and then we're identifying places where you know, maybe the behavior that's going on within the claim, let's say it's in workers' comp, and let's say that somebody has gotten the wrong prescription, pres- uh, you know, prescribed, or, you know, they've seen a doctor that, you know, maybe isn't the highest performing doctor for the sort of thing they do, or, you know, some, some you know, sentiment is shown, um, you know, they're using the word pain a lot, um, mm-hmm. and so usually those things are indicative that like, okay, well, the, you know, somebody's getting to an escalated state, right? And then, you know, we're providing basically very actionable sorts of things that, you know, the person working the claim can then, you know, call the person, bring a nurse on, you know, or take some other sort of, of action to basically try to pull them back into that optimal progression. And, and so those are, but, but, you know, there's examples like that all along that, that AI and machine learning and power, right. And, and it doesn't just apply to that, you know, the particular claim process. It's, you know, it's, it's everything from, you know, figuring out the weak signals in a fraud, you know, scenario yep. in a claim figuring out, you know, frankly, which is the right lawyer to defend yourself against, you know, the other lawyer on the other side, right? Or what (laughs) you want to look for. And it turns out, you'd think that that would be an easy thing. But there are all these little weak signals that go along with that, that identify like, okay, well, this guy is really good at these sorts of things, but he's a bit of a settler. And this other guy over here is more of a litigator. And they're good at things that are that are more represented in this claim. So maybe you should change lawyers, right? And and it's that sort of stuff that you can... uh, uh, that you can tease out. You know, it's really interesting is we, we, we recently, uh, so you folks are on our radar because we did a huge project for a client on uh, the mm-hmm. entire AI landscape in the insurance space. You guys are the only folks that have a product dedicated to litigation. Literally nobody does that in insurance. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's, it's very mm-hmm. unique. So that problem that you guys have called forth, literally the whole AI ecosystem in insurance isn't really looking at that, but it sounds like yeah. to put a bow on your example, look, picking up on those earlier signals where we should be stepping in to intervene, where we should be steering something in a different way, all of those things will become more and more data informed in terms of where we're steering, where we're going, lawyers included. Yeah, that's right. And meaningfully though, Dan, you also need to, the machine needs to tell you why, right? Because it's the why, it's just like, okay, well, this guy's having a problem. I don't know what to do about it, right? So you have to have the why, otherwise it's kind of pointless. Yeah, and getting us beyond the black box will involve the technology itself moving forward. Obviously, some degree of transparency is possible today. I think that AI will be able to, as a science, improve in that regard, and and there's some efforts there uh, as well. But anyway, Gary, I know that's all we have for time. I really appreciate you being able to jump on and share your thoughts about the present and the future here on AI and Industry. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks very much for making the time as well. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I happen to know for a fact that many of our podcast listeners are in professional services. They are consultants, they are strategists, they are advisors, professional services people who basically help other companies with AI deployment and adoption. One of the things they listen to the show for, and hopefully this was a good episode for it, is use cases. Where is AI going to make a dent? 
What are the known use cases? Who are the companies providing those kinds of solutions? If you want to see those answers in a visual map, in other words, to really be able to explore industries and see everything that we cover in Emerge, all the various known articles, the vendor profiles, the known use cases within the enterprises, then you might want to consider joining Emerge Plus. Emerge Plus not only provides you with our full library of AI best practice guides for delivering ROI with artificial intelligence, for deploying artificial intelligence within your company, or if you work with clients within your clients' companies, helping them with best practices, but it also gives you our use case library, what we call our matrix, where you get to look by sector and look by AI application type and find all the precedents of AI use that you might need to use for your own business or to help your clients as well. You can learn more about Emerge Plus at emerj.com slash plus. This is an offering made pretty explicitly for kind of the more consultant crowd, the innovation and strategy leaders who often are helping other companies. You can go to emerge.com slash plus and check it out. I mention it because insurance and banking are a lot of our known use cases in addition to various other sectors. So without further ado, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'll catch you here next Tuesday on the AI and Business Podcast. 